Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think of the prestige. Think of the respect. No, no, no. Think of the Tony. Tony, Tony, Hello, all you theater lovers, both out and proud and on the DL, and welcome back to Broadway Breakdown, a podcast discussing the history and legacy of American theater's most exclusive address, Broadway. I am your host, Matt Koplick, the least famous and most opinionated of all the Broadway podcast hosts. And with me today to discuss our initial reactions to this year's Tony Award nominees is a friend of the pod, a co-host of Kyle and Dave versus the Machine, as well as the singular host of Putting It Together, the music of Stephen Sondheim. I have been a guest on both podcasts, not to humble brag, Mm -hmm. but humble brag. Please welcome back Kyle Marshall. Hello, Kyle. Hey, Matt. How's it going? Good. Every time we speak, I mm-hmm. always want to do the Cartman voice of Cal. Cal. Yeah, I know. <laughs> now Cal. But Ask my I... mother how much she loved the song Kyle's Mom's a Bitch from the uh, South Park movie. <laughs> well, she looked at herself in the mirror and she said, you know what? I am a rowdy, bowdy bitch, to quote right. the great Alyssa Edwards. And thus, she's like, I must have my child. And she knew that that song <laughs> was going to happen years after you were born. So she just was lying in wait. Um, Kyle, how are you doing on this uh wednesday morn it's good you know i've been listening to many of your predictions podcasts mm-hmm. and what's so wonderful is that even it, it's uh it's proof positive that even if you have the most information predictions are really just your own personal opinion aren't they oh one thousand <laughs> percent the number of things i was wrong about and my guests have been wrong about but then also some things where i mean granted i did a whole lot of episodes and a lot of talking so I know for a fact there are things that I said I would love to see happen, but didn't right. expect it to happen. And then they did happen. So that was nice. And we'll all talk about it today. But yeah, that's always been the issue with predicting award nominations and even winners is you're you have you want to go with your gut of the things you enjoyed. And if you saw enough stuff, you can sort of make that call. But you're also trying to determine the tastes of 40 different people. Right. Of whom, if you're lucky, you know, like six of them, but that's yeah. it. Oh, that's a good starting off point. I don't know if this is like going too far away from our point here today, but I would love to know, um, being the Oscars fan that I am, mm-hmm. I can talk people's ears off on actually how the nomination processes work and, and et cetera, et cetera. 
but I actually don't understand how the Tony system works necessarily. Meaning like who is it that nominates and then who is it that votes? Nominators get to vote. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's about the nominating committee, I think is about 50, but that doesn't mean everyone on the committee nominates because right. there's some people who recuse themselves. Either they don't get to see everything by the end of the season. Sometimes there's a conflict of interest. Right. Uh, you you don't need to worry about conflict of interest if you're voting, but if you're nominating, I think you do. Uh, and you can sort of determine what that is. And you'll like maybe I know some people who've been nominators who've uh, presented to the committee before. Like, is this a conflict of interest? This working relationship I've had with so and so and so and so. Most of the time they say no. I think like a real conflict of interest is like if you end up being in one of the shows or if, right. like, you know, you're married you have, to someone who's in the show or something. Yeah. Or like you have yeah. money in one of the shows, things like that. Yeah. 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 Less of like, hey, I did a show with Janine Desori last year. Is that a conflict of interest? Or like so and so is my, you know, best friend's fiance or whatever. It's like, no, that's not really a conflict of interest. But so the way that the if I've num- dated all the newsies, is that is that something that's wrong? Does anyone really date a newsie, Kyle? <laughs> right. It's true. <laughs> you go out to dinner with them and they just don't stare back at you. But uh, the way the nominations used to work and this changed because I know uh, the Oscars now do preferential ballot for best picture. Just and that, that one, yeah. Yeah. And that used to be how nominations worked. I think for at least musical was you had your nominations on your own personal ballot, but you had them in an order of preference. And more the uh the more you were at number one or number two the more nominations you got or the more points you got and thus were nominated and this all changed after 1996 when big and i think state fair didn't get nominated for best musical but big got nominated for book and score and some acting nominations Mm -hmm. and what happened was swinging on a star and i think it was chronicle of a death foretold or maybe it was Wandarian. I can't remember one one of those classic shows that everyone exactly. knows about. Exactly shows that first of all had long been closed that no one liked right. very much got nominated instead, and it was that no one could prove it. But mm. I know Richard Mulvey Jr. did a lot of sleuthing and was going to write to the New York Times that had this whole letter that he was going to send in and then opted not to do it. But it is in the book about Big the Musical, where he's mm. like, I know a lot of the nominators. He's like, and listen, this is not necessarily about me being butthurt this is just me being confused because i spoke to a lot of nominators who did put big on their ballots he's like honestly enough for it to get a nomination he goes what must is like i am convinced what happened was there were enough nominators who got together and decided they were because they knew rent and bring into noise bring into funk we're gonna make it in to put Chronicle of the Death Foretold and Swing It on a Star at their number ones and number twos so that they would have enough points to take out Big. And so after mm-hmm. that happened, it stopped being um, a preferential ballot and just became tallies. However, right. many people voted for such and such. So, so is the- that why then in some categories there's like four nominees and in some there's seven? Like, because well, that's always confused me too. So the four, so it's supposed to be, it used to be four. And then, so, and then acting got expanded to five. And then I know directing got expanded to five. And then score, best musical and best play didn't get expanded to five until 2016. And that mm. was supposed to be like if there were enough votes for five. And now it's become five is the default and could become six if there's uh, enough votes in, among them. It goes down to four when there just aren't enough contenders. Like I think it has to be a minimum of eight. Sure. Maybe. Uh, eight there have to be yeah eight possibilities for it to get five 
Uh, and if it's less than that, or maybe if it's less than nine, it goes down to four. Um, but yeah, so like there being six best actor in a musical nominations came from the fact that like two of those actors were close enough in votes. Mm-hmm. I think it like has to be under three votes that it gets to be expanded. And the nominating committee meets three times a year. The last one being the day that they vote mm-hmm. to sort of discuss the season and and make sure everyone's sort of on the same page of where everyone is eligible. And, you know, I think if anyone has confusion as to like the merits of something, sometimes they'll they will debate things. It's not about necessarily convincing someone to vote for something, but it's like if someone goes, I don't understand like the merit behind the design of this. Someone who is sure. a designer can be like, well, here's why that set actually works quite well. Um, and that can sort of expand people's minds. And then everybody votes in secret. They send it in and then it gets tallied, I think, that later that day. And then the next day they announce it. So, yeah, that's how the, okay. that's how it works. It's pretty it's relatively simple, which is why also like when people talk about why do we have five actors that have musical nominations but and six actors like the conspiracy of it all. I'm like, it's no it's really no right. conspiracy. In fact, like broad, like there was a conspiracy in 96. That kind of ended up being true, and they changed the rules because of it. Uh, And since then, it's been pretty straightforward. And Um, when's the last time there was a tie? Because I think that's possible, too. A tie for a winner? Yeah. The last time I can think was when Billy Elliot and Next to Normal tied for orchestrations. Mm -hmm. I think that's what happened, right? something i was i was flipping through wikipedia looking at different categories and i think you're right i think there's something like that it's been a while it's been a long time since there's actually been a tie yeah i think i think yeah billy elliott and next normal had a tie and i think i do think that was the last time Mm -hmm. there was one um there haven't been many in the tonys uh i know that obviously you know leslie uggum no diane carroll was it diane carroll it was diane carroll and anna maria albergetti tied for best actress in a musical Right. Uh, Fiorello and Sounding Music, obviously, for, yeah, for, for best musical. musical. Uh, I think Spider-Woman and Tommy tied for score. Oh, interesting. Yeah, and then there have been a couple of design ties, but I'm pretty sure that's it. It doesn't happen very often. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a, fun, it's a fun time to be alive. I don't know if there's going to be any ties this year. But... I, I don't know. I, I don't, for my uh, amateur chair that I sit in, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of, like, 50 50 toss-ups in in the race there's there's either a a complete front winner or it's like um i don't know (laughs) yeah well and that's this or this person like it's down to two people yeah that's always the problem with front runners though is like if something feels so safe then it kind of becomes scary because then people will go well everyone's going to vote for it i'm going to vote for who i like and then an Mm -hmm. upset happens you know sure uh and sometimes people split the vote and so yeah, there's also there are, there are a whole lot of theories, tinfoil hat theories that I want to sort of just debunk right now, because after yesterday, there were a lot of people going like, oh, well, this really shed some light on some stuff. New, uh, New York, New York, uh, and Juliet and Shocked all getting nine nominations is great. Mm-hmm. Some Like It Hot getting 13 is great. People going, oh, so Some Like It Hot's really the front runner now for Best Musical with its 13 nominations because people think, oh, that's the most. Therefore, it's the front runner. No, 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 no. That is not the case. That has never been the case. It's only really mattered when there are two front runners and one gets like maybe a little more love than the other. So like the year of Matilda sure. and Kinky Boots, I think Kinky Boots got one more nomination than Matilda. And that was more th- that was like showing the crack in the foundation of Matilda because that sure. when Matilda came to Broadway, it came with the 
understanding of like we all know this is winning best musical right like you're so lucky to have it and it's a shame because it should have won but just like the the cockiness of that production of like the producers coming into it is what did it in and when kinky boots got one more nomination over matilda that was the beginning of everyone going oh i think there's some resentment about this show's attitude and that's i mean that's one thing but like there have been years where just because you know one show is more heavily designed than the other or has more acting possibilities than the other it gets more nominations and sometimes more wins but doesn't win musical so just reminding people drowsy chaperone had more nominations than jersey boys and actually won more tonys than jersey boys but jersey boys still won musical there are other things to look out for when we're i mean there's there's those really well like I don't know technical shows which can mm-hmm. which can clean up on technical awards, but then don't win any of like we'll say quote unquote the big ones. Yeah, <laughs> so no, you can, absolutely. You can win up. You can win a lot just getting like you get best lighting and best uh, choreography and best costumes, and you know you can yeah. just clean up that way. And we'll talk about plays as well. But in regards to musicals, I also want to say there are two categories in particular you really want to have nominations for if you w- are intending to win best musical. Yeah. One is not a total ultimatum, but the other one is. Uh, and if you have both, that definitely helps your chances. And we will get into that in just sure. a second. Uh, so, Kyle, as someone who is a theater fan, is very much, you know, has mm-hmm. his finger on the pulse of Broadway, <laughs> but isn't here as often because, unfortunately, Kyle lives in Canada. Uh, what yeah. surprised you with some of these nominations, both in a positive and like a, let's not say negative, but snubby kind of way? Well, so here's the thing. I mean, it's... uh I can only go from like social media interest. And I will mm-hmm. say living far away, even though I go and search this stuff out, definitely, definitely like Kimberly Akimbo mm-hmm. has been talked about a lot online, but I would say that shocked uh, and Juliet and parade are the three other ones that just get seemingly into my queue. At least it gets mm-hmm. shown to me a lot. So those are the ones I was like kind of thinking, okay, those are probably going to show up here. And I was right for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say as the big Sondheim fan that I am, even though I saw the Into the Woods revival uh, uh, in New York here this past summer, um, I was actually kind of shocked at all the acting nominations it got. I, I thought it's like, no, there's just no way. They might give one to Sarah Bareilles. That was the one I was like, that's a maybe for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was not anticipating, uh, let me just get their names here because I always forget. Julia Lester was a big surprise for me for best featured actress. Um, and then even uh, Brian Darcy James. I just, I, anyways, I just thought that was interesting that that was able to sustain so much momentum throughout the season, having been closed for however many months it's been closed for. Yeah, I listen, full egg on my face. I definitely said that my hot take was Sarah Bareilles was going to be the only acting nomination for that show. Mm-hmm. She did get nominated. So I want to, you know, say mm-hmm. yay to that. And I do. I, I I think I talked about it on the podcast. I know I did this on Instagram when I was doing featured actress in a musical back in the day as I was trying to figure out the nominations for it. People kept saying like, oh, Philip Asu could get double nominated this year, which I never signed off on. But uh, I my prediction was that Philippa would probably get in for Camelot over Woods. And I had said, if someone from Into the Woods gets nominated other than Sarah Bareilles, I would like it to be Julia Lester. So I was very happy to see her in there. Uh, Brian, on paper, doesn't totally surprise me. But like having seen the show and not being super enthralled with his performance, even though I do love him, I was a little surprised. And then I saw Camelot last night. And I will say, having seen Camelot last night, 
a lot of things make sense to me now with some of these acting nominations. And we'll get into that in a second. Um, yeah. yeah. I guess really- the other big surprise for me was like, part of me, I get it, but I'm, there was this huge uptick when New York, New York was announced, you know, another Kander and Ebb score is coming back. Lin-Manuel Miranda is involved. And honestly, when that's announced, I'm like, oh, I'm actually pretty interested in this. Yeah. And then the reviews started to come out and it was like, this is not good. Like, I, it's basically mixed to negative reviews from what I've seen from most people. Yeah. So the fact that they got nine is somewhat surprising to me. Yes. But then we also got to remember Paradise Square, I believe, got 10. Yeah, so that's true. There's the thing about New York, New York. And listen, I, I know there are people who really love it. They are allowed to. They're, the show is not a disaster, Kyle it's yeah it is can, very... by the way it's the I, i've only heard one song from it too so this is really hard for me <laughs> to yeah. base any knowledge on well and, and they ended up not being eligible for, for score because it was like five new yeah. songs or something but uh it is very well designed every now and then Strowman does a really good number uh the choreography in general is is strong there are moments where i'm like you could do better than this strobe but it's not like embarrassing it's just that there's a lot of it and i don't i think there are times when it's just not very well employed but it's what's the thing about New York, New York is its nominations are both clearly they have some fans, but also there are just some categories that they needed that fifth slot. Sure. And they yeah, made yeah. it a point to shut out beautiful noise because I, I mean, maybe they just couldn't bring themselves to have two jukebox musicals in the same like the, like they had last year. But, you know, I guess it's sort of like of the two New York, New York has the better pedigree and is trying for something a little more interesting than beautiful noises, even though it fails a lot harder. And so I don't begrudge them the fifth best musical slot. I don't even begrudge them Colton Ryan, who I don't like in the show, but again, is trying something Sure. Uh, where I begrudge them is best book. Uh, it is, in my opinion, the second worst book of the year after bad Cinderella. Uh, mm-hmm. The only defense I'll give them for that nomination is like, there's not much else out there to give that yeah, fifth who, what's slot your other, to. What's your yeah. yeah, like I will say this: my pleasantly surprised, and this is maybe going to be shocking to some people because it feels like it's so counter my tastes. Uh-huh. I'm actually kind of I love the fact that K-pop got the best original score nomination. I'm actually kind of a fan of again the only four songs that are available to stream currently. So mm-hmm. um, I'm down for that. Yeah, I think. I think the theater lovers and I did predict that for best score last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was that was definitely something that I thought was very possible. And I what I don't know if maybe I was willing to put money on it, but I was like, that's I was like, be be wary of that happening because it could happen. Where I was surprised was almost famous getting in for score and not book because mm. I don't particularly think the score of almost famous is very good, and I don't think the book is very good either. But it's competent and it's coherent. What where it kind of fails for me is that it's not an actual strong adaptation of the movie and in fact kind of fails a lot of things that make the movie work but if you've never seen the movie you could probably watch almost famous and be like yeah that's fine and so Mm. in that sense i would have given it a best book nomination over new york new york which is just ugh. and i was on the fence at the time of like well will they finally nominate aaron sorkin for something will he finally get that tony nomination after 33 years and the answer was no and having seen Camelot last night, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. It's <sighs> Sorkin is such a good writer for the most part, but he has his faults like we all do. And I've been yeah. noticing them a lot more lately 
with being the Ricardos and Trial of the Chicago 7 and with Camelot. Did you read Jesse Green's review for Camelot in the New York Times? I did not, no. Okay. Jesse Green's been getting a lot of shit these last two years, and sometimes it is deserved. His review for the company revival, whether you like that production or not, is beside the point. His review just made no sense. And (laughs) I kind of wanted to be like, you need to make a better point of of reviewing the actual production and not being like bobby was never meant to be a woman so i don't understand what they're doing here and it's like girl Mm, calm down but camelot what he talked about was sort of you know rewriting the book is a fool's errand because the story is epic and stately but the score is very null cowardy and so if you're keeping the songs you if you're going to rewrite the book you have to find a way to make the story lighter to match the score and then you're not doing real justice to the story, but at least the whole thing is on a similar plane. Sure. Uh, and he goes, and you know, Aaron Sorkin, unfortunately, has gone the opposite direction, which is absolutely true. He goes much more for realism and stateliness. And it, it like there's yeah, no what a wrong, what a no. wrong way to go about that. I mean, Camelot is such a weird show anyways, in that I've seen productions of it. I still like many of the songs from that score, but man, is it just it's a mess of a show. It <laughs> really is. Been. And like I... I do like the majority of that score, at least listening to it. But yeah, it yeah, was yeah. like it was just so and 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 this is sort of where I'm getting into now with like the performance elements of people who got quote unquote snubbed. There's no joy in this production of Camelot. You know, there mm. are moments where there's some energy, you know, when Sam Wah happens, that's quite nice. And uh I found I actually found their lusty lusty month of May to be dull but i thought philip did a really good job with you may take me to the fair but aaron sorkin is so concerned about like giving everyone their dignity and nobility Mm. and you know talking about ideals and making sure that guinevere's you know a political and mental equal to arthur but then he like tries to make us buy the romantic triangle in act two and he can't because a first of all aaron sorkin can't do sexy neither can do neither can bartlett share but like they, he wrote in a way where it's like Guinevere and Arthur don't seem to like each other very much. They tolerate each other. He very much emphasizes that it's an arranged marriage, that Guinevere mm-hmm. has no time for the title song of the show. And that really kind of undercuts any effectiveness that Burnap and Sue can do because they're they're they are having to work with what Cher and Sorkin are giving them and then have to do an about face in act two and not even just for act two like the last scene of act two yeah, yeah. and that just, that just makes no sense and like they'll they have this scene this long dry scene where they're playing chess while Guinevere is also like you know thinking about other things and it's very long and they're talking sort of at a monotone and you know oh you and your politics and your princess and all this stuff and and arthur's trying to talk about how he was once part of the common folk and all this stuff and so i know more about about the people and guinevere goes all right then well what do the simple folk do so it's this long dry scene and then we go into the peppy song i'm like the fuck is this about face so seeing it i understand why sorkin wasn't nominated and i understand why philippa wasn't nominated I probably still would have given Burnap a nomination because he really saves the show in Act 2 with his arc for Arthur. Him not getting nominated makes sense. I get it. I get it. I get it. Um, But if you were to say, Matt, would you nominate him? I would. But I do get it. I'm a little more confused by Jordan Donica's nomination. He sings very well, but like otherwise Lancelot has nothing to do in the show. Um, 
so is and them getting in for revival is just like well we need to fill out the fourth slot and it's not yeah. going to dancing and it's not going to 7076 <laughs> yeah. yeah that's unfortunate well th- i mean 1776 actually is like a better Sorkin adaptation if you wanted to rewrite a book if you really wanted to but i wouldn't i really wouldn't mess with that show either yeah that book the book of 1776 is so good i yeah i know that's what i mean like i would yeah. but as far it, as like material that's the pairing i would make yeah well i mean it, it, you it makes you wonder then like because camelot 1776 and dance and all suffer the same thing which is they are trying to come in with this sort of elitist attitude about the material that they're doing. So like, mm-hmm. obviously with Camelot, we all know like Camelot doesn't really work and, you know, sort of trying to fix it is makes sense on paper, but anytime anyone's ever been like, I'm going to rewrite the book and fix this show. It has never worked. The closest ever got was Candide in the seventies yeah, and people, yeah. and there are still people who have issues with that version of Candide. Uh, 1776. It is very clear that uh, the director's, hate that show and think that they're better than it, which is never the attitude you want. And then dancing. I don't even know what they were trying to do. Like they were trying to honor Fosse while also being like, but a lot of this stuff is problematic. And like, we're, and we're more, Mm. uh, uh, we've progressed so far since then. I'm like, yeah, was there dancing? There was dancing and there was a lot of talking, Talking. a lot of talking. (laughs) Woof, 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 woof. So yeah, the Camelot of it all, like, I get it. I get why it's why I got in where it did, but I also understand where it, you know, shot the bed in other mm-hmm. categories. Because before I saw it, I was like, oh yeah, no, like Philip was probably going to get in, and you know, Andrew has a good shot. And then when they didn't, I was like, oh, that's surprising. And then I saw the show, I'm like, I, I get it now. Mm-hmm. Which is that's again the, the issue with so many people on social media when they cry, you know, someone got robbed, someone got snubbed, whatever. Sure. It's a lot of people who didn't. See, see it yeah see it. which is what or... i'm always a little bit nervous about because it's like i'm going off of this with a lot of listening to the score as it's been recorded in a professional recording scenario yeah i have no idea i don't know what it's like to be in the theater necessarily for most of this um the one i'll say one last thing mm-hmm. not that i thought it was not going to get nominated because it was pretty clearly a lot of um, enthusiasm behind it uh but I ended up really loving this parade recording a lot more than I thought it was going to. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I'm just excited it got as many nominations as it did. Yeah, I'm very happy with that as well. I mean, I th- I think that Parade is definitely the best revival this year. And probably, yeah, I'd say it's probably like the best revival I've seen since Arden's Once on this Island. Yeah. Which is not to say that like both of those are the most exceptional revivals of all time. I just think those are both very strong revivals. Uh, the recording is quite good. Uh, it's not as dry as a lot of modern day cast recordings, which I appreciate. The thing about Parade that I'm glad I got, I'm glad I got in for Ben and Michaela. That was never in doubt. I'm glad Michael Arden got in, mm-hmm. which I never I, I, I also have never really been in doubt of because for me, he is the front runner to win. Right. But. There were a couple of precursors he got shut out at, which is another myth I want to debunk for some people because people will look at precursors and go, oh, no, so-and-so didn't get in. So-and-so didn't get in. Like, they're losing steam. And it's like, Mm -hmm. not really. There's no overlap with the nominating bodies. What it can do sometimes is, and this is where I do think it helps New York, New York, is that it can help push a momentum for a show. of Like, if it's constantly getting mentioned in articles because of nominations showing, hey, there are people who like this. That can sort of help Tony nominators go, 
I feel less guilty about nominating this poorly reviewed show because there is a there is support for it, but it's not necessarily like means something's a sure thing. Case in point, mm-hmm. Ben not getting nominated for the Outer Critics Circle or Drama Desk, but getting nominated for here. Same thing with Josh Groban and Thomas Kale getting nominated for director everywhere but the Tony Awards. So I'm right. yeah. yeah. So I'm I'm. <sighs> This is where I'm going to be a little petty. And this is why I want to kind of talk about me having seen some of the stuff and, and you sort of keeping on tabs with socials and, and articles and on paper and listening to stuff. Director of a musical. I have made it no secret that like I do not enjoy Lear de Bessonet's work on Into the Woods. I I right. saw it on Encores and I saw it on Broadway and I thought she did a perfectly okay job of just sort of leaving the material alone. I don't even. A, think... It was honestly another one that I was a bit surprised with. Again, I saw that Into the Woods. I cried twice. Mm-hmm. But as far as like, uh, I didn't love as minimal as it was. Totally understand why it was, but it just like wasn't my my favorite thing. And of all the things, I was like, direction for that one. I don't know. That seemed a little bit weird to me. Yeah, I mean, the people who've been defending her nomination of people like she that show was an event. It really sure it, it, it saved the encore season. I'm like, yeah, an encore season that she almost killed. Uh, and then they they're like, you know, that show was so beloved and really kind of brought the show back into the limelight. And then and, and the way she sort of had control of the company. And I was like, I watched I was like, that's the reason why I actually wouldn't give her a directing nomination is I, I personally never felt that that cast was as cohesive as a whole as a lot of other people did. I thought there were some performances that were great. I thought Sarah mm-hmm. was great. Julia Lester, Kennedy as Milky White, but there were other performances that I thought were extremely underwhelming. And, and not only that, like we're in different productions of woods uh, you know, I thought Gavin Creel did a nice job, but he was in a very different production of Into the Woods than Sarah Bareilles. Philippus, right, who was right, in a right, very right. different production of Into the Woods than Brian Darcy James. And I thought there was kind of a lack of momentum in that show, especially in Act One, like where it's three, the whole like there are three midnights. I'm like, bitch, there are three midnights. Get to step in. And so there were some characters. I'm like, why are we so casual about this? And that's why, like, for me, I would not have nominated Lear. At staging aside, which, you know, of course was basic, but it's encore, so it's all presentational. It was that that kind of did it in for me. But I'm willing to accept Lear getting nominated if it meant, and this is where I'm bitchy, if it meant Thomas Kale didn't. Because oh. <laughs> I simply could not handle mm-hmm. two by-the-numbers di- uh, directing for Sondheim musicals. Because this Sweeney, similar to The Into the Woods, I think is perfectly okay. I don't think mm-hmm. it's a great where it has Into the Woods beat is in the production value area. But even then, like, I don't think the production value of the Sweeney is all that incredible. And there's no point. It's an interesting thing that, like, again, I haven't, uh, there's been no album released, even though they're making one for this new Sweeney Todd. So I've heard snippets. That's as much as I've been able to hear. But from all my little birds who've actually been able to see it and and send me information it's this interesting paradox for this Sweeney Todd in that everyone comes away and like, yeah, I really liked it. And then they give me a list of things that they don't like. <laughs> yeah. And so it's like, it's this weird thing. It's like, yeah, no, it's really good because the material is really good. Um, just as an example, as an aside, I have a uh, a friend who is a costume designer uh, mm-hmm. in New York. And uh, that's what she says. Like, I'm actually kind of disappointed by the costumes in this uh in this production. So I don't know. I'm just going well, by like one person's statement, but... <laughs> And they didn't get nominated for costumes, right? Really right. so. And I want my listeners to know that, yes, when they got a sound design nomination, 
I did roll my eyes super hard. I the moment I made it, I said on the podcast that I would throw my shoe if they got nominated. I was like, they're gonna. I I posted the episode and I went, fuck, they're gonna get nominated for it now, because yeah, yeah. there are some things and and it's such a niche category to get upset by. But the sound design for Sweeney Todd is something that like the majority of people can agree on is not good. Even the people who have enjoyed the show have been like, yeah, it was hard mm-hmm. to hear the orchestra or like the very fact that you have to sit in like the first four rows to feel like you're surrounded by the music is bad. Uh, yeah. And that is just gross to me. So them getting nominated for sound design pissed me off because things like New York, New York getting in for best musical, not fan, not a fan of it, but like, what are the other options? Sound design of a musical. There were other options. They sure. could have yeah, nominated yeah. Kimberly. They could have nominated, uh, you know, beautiful noise. And they did. So it, it was shocked and Juliet, New York, New York, into the woods and i think parade no one two three six no it wasn't parade it was no sorry uh, into the woods sweeney todd and juliet shocked new york new york those were the five yeah sweeney todd could have been swapped out for parade which in my opinion does have sure. the best sound design of the year kimberly akimbo or some like it hot which doesn't have amazing sound design but better than sweeney and i'm just like there were uh, there, there were options other options yeah, yeah. You, you didn't have to do this uh same thing with set design of a musical, although I guess, you know, there, there, the options were limited for that as well. The, I mean, I just think the set for Sweeney is so basic. It's a bridge and a crane that when the crane mm-hmm. part turns around, it just looks like a giant Dalek from Doctor Who. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, and they do yell exterminate in that in that show. So every time he every time he cuts a throat, he goes exterminate. <laughs> um, on that note, Kyle, let's take one little break. And we're back. What great. a wonderful break! What yeah. did you do? On, what did you do on your break? Kyle? I had an entire meal. It was great. Yes, three courses. Three courses. All right. What? Well, let's t- let's 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 go into some other ones. What What are some other ones that uh, surprised you yesterday at the Tonys? Um, you know what? Like, I mean, I, I guess it's just um, outside of uh, oh gosh, what is their name? Let me just scroll down here. Oh, outside Alex Newell in Shocked. Mm-hmm. Who consistently gets like, oh my gosh! If you're going to see this show, see it for them. Um, I was actually a little bit surprised that there was other acting nominations in that show because I have literally heard nothing about any of the other actors in that show. So mm-hmm. that was a little bit of a surprise for me. Um, and I will say that that both leads in some like a hot getting through. Mm-hmm. Um, I was pretty certain one of them was, which was Jay Harrison Gee, and mm-hmm. I love Christian Borle, but I didn't. I was not convinced he was going to also be nominated at the same time. Yeah, there was. I th- I do think Christian and Colton were the two that got very close together, which is what led that to be six mm-hmm. nominees for the cat uh, for that category. You know, I always knew that Jay, Josh, and Ben were going to get in, despite Josh and yeah. Ben not having any of the precursors. Sweeney is a role you get nominated for. Just yeah, deal with it, guys. Kind of have to. Yeah. I was pretty sure Christian was going to get in. Uh, and again, before I saw Camelot, I was like, and I think it, it'll be Andrew Burnup. I thought Burnup would be the would be the fifth slot just because Woods had closed. And I know there's a lot of love for it. I was again, as I said, I was underwhelmed by Brian, but I'm not Maddie's in there. Uh, Christian and Jay together 
both I get it and I don't at the same time. Uh, Jay is definitely give has the better uh, role uh, mm. for anyone who's familiar with Some Like It Hot, and you can just watch the movie if you want. Like, yeah, yeah. Daphne, it's a Jack Lemon role, right? Jack Lemon role, yeah. The Daphne yeah. track, as we call it, is that's the role that always gets recognized. Jack Lemon got an Oscar nomination. Robert Morris got Tony nominated for Sugar. That's you know that's it's that's just the track. And they do well by it in this production. So Jay was always going to get in. Christian, there's something off with his casting in this. And part of it is I do think that they underserve his role. And they also underserve the role of Sugar. So that doesn't help. Yeah, I think that that's the biggest tell that the Sugar role does not get nominated. <laughs> yeah. When she's ostensibly like the main, well, not the main, I guess, but a co-lead between those two. Yeah, that's... <sighs> It's really difficult to talk about this and not make it sound like I'm just shitting all over people. And I really don't mean to do this. So basically, okay, I'm going to I feel like every time I start doing critiques, I want to say I recognize everyone as someone who has written, who has performed, who has directed Mm -hmm. and will probably do so again in the future. It is so hard to make a show in general, to write one, to put one up on Broadway, to raise the money, to have it all come together. That alone is a feat. So congrats. But that alone does not make it good or means that it deserves undying support because we can never do great work if we're only just surrounding ourselves with positivity and yes men, right? So when I talk about critiques, I try to come at it from an objective perspective of like, here's why this didn't work for me and what I think could have made it better. And so we can, you know, analyze this stuff better in the future. Sugar. There is a, there is a, having also just seen, by the way, a you sort of saw sm- a revival of sugar didn't you? i did yeah there's, was it good no well no it's so it's spotlight theater company and they actually did a very good job with the show with like a five dollar budget a four-piece band and in a black box at theater row they did a really strong job with it the musical sugar is not very good in ways it is better than some like it hot because they they actually stick closer to the film script than the current some like it hot does and the original film is perfect just it's mm-hmm. it's an incredible movie that has stood the test of time can i just say uh, too how wild it is that billy wilder the director of some like it hot the movie has three all-time great last lines of a movie I just think nope, it's... nobody's perfect some like yeah. it hot shut up and deal the apartment, the apartment. and and mr demille i'm ready for my close-up sunset boulevard sunset Boulevard. yeah absolutely like, he knocks out of the park three times <laughs> he well he's he's the greatest screenwriter in film mm-hmm. history that's that's because those not just those three films but also double indemnity and yes. uh did sabrina and i think he did the movie version of born yesterday but i can't remember i know garson Kanan wrote the script but anyway uh billy wilder was an absolute incredible filmmaker and the movie version of something like it hot is objectively incredible if you disagree that is your right but that says something about your taste and your intellect and that is where i will read you for filth henny but the the character of Sugar is is hard because in the movie, you don't realize just how good Marilyn Monroe is and how vital she is to the success of that film until you see yeah. other people try to do it. Right. That's how I felt about Gigi on stage in American and Paris on stage. Like It made me go, oh, Leslie Caron is brilliant in those movies, and you don't realize it until you see someone else try to do what she does. And they're hard roles and difficult to navigate. But the number one thing about Sugar that has to be remembered that both – musical versions don't really capture is she's a mess she's a mess of a human she's like two steps away 
from being the American Sally Bowles. Mm-hmm. And the, the current version of Some Like It Hot tries too hard to make her independent and strong, which makes her less interesting and gives her no character arc. They still keep the fact that she's kind of an alcoholic with trust issues, but they try to blend that with like, but also she's a spitfire. And Mm. Adriana kind of leans into the spitfire more than the mess. So even though she's like, I have a drinking problem and I don't trust men and I've had a string of bad relationships. I'm like, yes, but you're also meticulously put together and beveling for the gods. That is not a mess. And like Marilyn, obviously one of the most stunning individuals to ever roam the earth. But there is sort of a messiness to her performance as well and a vulnerability to her performance and almost like a childishness to it, which makes you want to take care of her while also, mm. you know, being attracted to her. And so in make I never saw Adriana getting nominated for this just because that's a major component that's been missing from this Some Like It Hot. And I and I think that will affect its awards going forward while they have the well, third. Like outside of your like personal opinion, I guess, of Some Like It Hot. Yeah. Um. Like, what is? I don't know. What is the general consensus on that? Because it seems like it's getting positive to mixed positive reviews from what I can see. Like, what's listening the New to, York? What's the New York? Yeah. Like, I'll, I'll say this. Listening to it, I have to basically be a broken record of what other people have said. I think even on this show, which is like, I could not tell you the difference between most of these songs. They sound very similar back yeah. to back to back to back. Listening through it, which is actually why I think that. Um, uh what's his name kevin delaquila gets a nomination because at least his couple songs sound different yeah <laughs> and, and are recognizable so but i don't know what the general consensus is in new york yeah well speaking of kevin when he when he came on stage i was like okay i am so on board for this performance because like mm-hmm. it was it was very reminiscent of the movie just in terms of he recognizes what made this role work originally while also doing his unique spin on it and it was right. just so good and he wasn't commenting on any of it which i appreciate because that's another thing that i really hate now is comedy that is commenting on because it just undercuts any right. storytelling not to keep shitting on camelot but when andrew burnout sings the title song in that supposed meet cute between him and guinevere <laughs> uh it's not a meet cute in this version and he's singing the title song the entire time it's just like constantly interjected by phil but being like oh are you still singing are you still going on about the weather like oh we're still on this and i'm like can you stop he's trying to charm you and this song is one of the most charming songs of all time just like it's supposed to win her over but by the time the song's over she's like "Uh, not interested no ma'am and there's a lot of that in the broadway books this year and to which i'm like has no one heard of yes and that's the only way to make a scene build you can't constantly have someone bring up something lofty and innocent for only for someone to shut it down for the sake of a audience going haha cynicism and i'm like no can we you know earnestness is really difficult to do anyone can shoot down a comment in a reddit thread can we maybe do a little better and try a little harder this is my big thing too like i mean a moment of cynicism i'm kind of okay with you want to break the fourth wall i'm down for that sustained cynicism in musical theater especially drives me crazy because it's like, isn't it stupid that we're singing? Isn't it dumb that this is a musical? Like, then why am I here? Why are we yeah. doing this if all of this is stupid? No, abso- absolutely. It's just so, it's, I, I fucking hate it. I really hate the, like, the commenting on over singing now. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yes, we're in a musical. This is the world. People saying just enough of it. Enough, enough. The only show 
that I think succeeds at that is you're in town. And that's because you're in town adheres to the traditional structure of a musical while also commenting on it and does the traditional structure really, really well. Uh, (laughs) Anywho, you're asking about something like it hot. The general consensus in New York is sort of split. The people who have loved it saw it pretty early in the run Mm. and were just very excited by the big brassiness of it all. That fervor has diminished a lot. It has gotten a lot more quiet around Some Like It Hot. And that energy started to transfer to Shucked. But again, that energy for that energy for Shucked, it's it has not muted as much as some like it hots but it definitely was a lot louder in previews and since it opened it's not quite as extraordinary yeah which is an and i hate to sound like a kimberly akimbo butt boy but that is ultimately what makes me think kimberly is gonna win musical and a few other awards is that like yes there are people who are in the camps for shucked and some like it hot new york new york and then juliet but none of those shows have large enough camps in new york city to Mm -hmm. overtake kimberly which maybe is not an overwhelming favor, but it's still a large percentage. And everyone I've spoken to, with the exception of like three people, have been very pro Kimberly. No, oh, it's lovely. It's so sweet. It's so well done. Some like it hot has mostly been like I had a. If it's positive, it's been I had a really good time at Some like it hot. No one has said to me it's the next producers. No one has said to me it's the next Mormon. Same thing with yeah. Shock in New York, New York. Even some of the other Broadway podcasts I listen to, it just seems like yeah, we had a really fun at uh, Some like it hot. I cannot remember a thing about it though two weeks afterwards like it just doesn't seem to retain yeah. its poignancy and even the ones who are like less than like enthusiastic about kimberly it's like well the more i think about it like this this worked for me and this song is a bop and like this song i've been playing a lot <laughs> recently too so i think it's something that kind of worms its way into people's psyche too yeah there are people who don't like kimberly akimbo and will never like kimberly akimbo sure. that's their prerogative but yeah I, I agree people who maybe were a little more mixed on it when they first saw it or were like lightly positive their appreciation for it has grown over time whereas people who've loved some like it hot loved it and then it's sort of you know they're like you yeah, know I, I remember I, all i remember is having a really good time yeah. i would say shucked and and juliet the people who have liked those shows a lot when seeing them have been able to pinpoint things about it that they've liked since. Uh, I have not heard anybody be sort of on the fence about and Juliet and come to appreciate it over time. Same yeah, thing, like and same thing with shocked. I, I will say this. I have to be very honest with a bias that I have. I am normally, I really have a hard time engaging with jukebox musicals. Mm-hmm. I know it's a it's a failing of my of myself, but it's just like I just have a hard time doing it. <clears throat> I will say this. That being said, if someone were to take me to and Juliet, having listened to the score, I would probably have a good time. I probably wouldn't have a great time, but I'd probably have a good time yeah. at that show just by listening to it. Um, there's actually one song that I actually think they do something interesting with, which is um, It's My Life, which yeah. I actually think has some interesting orchestrations in it. Outside of that, I'm like, I wish I was listening just to the original songs rather than listening to other people interpret these songs. Um, uh, but again, I think it would be a good time. I don't think it's a bad show from what I've listened to and seen clips of, but that's, that's as much as I'm going to be able to say about and Juliet. I'm a, I'm a broken record here. I have said many times, I maintain it. I think that one of the biggest failings of End Juliet is the whole concept of Juliet. That mm. show is all about 
her character, what would happen if she lived, and they don't do anything interesting with her. Everyone else oh. is interesting but her. And I'm thrilled that Lorna Courtney is a Tony nominee. Good for her. She sounds absolutely bonkers in that show. She mm-hmm, sings mm-hmm. her fucking face off, and that is a you know huge amount of effort. I, I like Betsy Wolf in the in the show too. I think her one number <laughs> is great. But I mean. I'm from Canada, so I always have to be like, it's Celine, though. So, I mean, yeah, it's always, it's, 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 it's always comparison. Celine. It's always yeah. Celine. And much as I love Marla Mandel and Titanic, like, it's still Celine. But, mm-hmm. you know, Marla is also doing a Celine. My vote for featured actress for Anne Juliet would have been Melanie LaBerry as the nurse. I thought she was mm. so much fun and really kind of captured the vibe of that show. Whereas, you know, Betsy has a better role, I'll be honest, and is doing something that is very attention grabbing, even though I was not a fan of her interpretation. The thing about it and Juliet is it's, it's, it's such a weird thing. And it's angered a lot of my listeners who like that show when I talk about it. Cause I'm like, I don't think and Juliet is bad. I think it actually does what it sets out to do rather well. It has its failings. Like I've mentioned, but in terms of like comparing that and some like it hot, I think and Juliet does what it sets out to do better than some like it hot does. And more interestingly, I oh, don't, yeah. I, I definitely like, honestly, if you were to tell me which score do you want to listen to, I would pick and Juliet over some like it hot yeah. to, to listen to again. And this is going to sound like a dig, but I, I truly don't mean it this way. I can see myself having and Juliet as a, as a gym album, which is something to pump you up a little bit, That yeah. that's, that's also what I would use it for. Yeah. Um. Yeah. The, no. The feeling in New York about something like it hot is definitely, it's not divided in the sense of like controversy. Although I know there are some people who've been trying to stir up controversy on it. It's just like people who loved it and then have like kind of forgotten about it, but only remember that they had a good time. And then people are like, yeah, whatever. Um. Mm-hmm. There's no show in New York this season of the new shows. It's like everyone has just rallied behind it and it's like this is the show. Right. Yeah. 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 I would say close. If we're if we're ranking it, I would say it's Kimberly shocked and then and juliet those are the three mm. that like have large support bases but really i would say the musical this season that has had the most support has been parade and yeah yeah i've seen a lot of <laughs> social media I'll, honestly a lot of it is just filming ben platt during the uh um intermission yeah <laughs> they get posted all the time it's like is he gonna sit here the entire intermission like the other yeah. 59 videos i've seen say yes so yeah it's just it's so god damn stupid uh, that, that that's what people are sharing i'm like there's so much else about that production that's lovely yeah uh and then some things that are weird uh like mm-hmm. michael arden has mary fagan come in on a swing twice and then you're like why michael why do that <laughs> you were doing such great work you were doing such great work until now <laughs> um what do you think about ruthie and miles uh which i found like a bit of a shock that has the bigger woman ever gotten a nomination no she has yeah. not which is which was always my caveat for her getting nominated for this because I was predicting her for a while and then I saw it and I was a little more on the fence about her getting nominated because I don't honestly I don't remember what I said last week on our final predictions. I know I said Bonnie, I said Betsy, and then I was pretty confident Ali Mozzie would get in because Kimberly Akimbo was really starting to push her towards the end, and unfortunately that didn't happen. Uh, I say unfortunately because I think she does deserve to get nominated. Her performance mm-hmm. is quite lovely in that show. I know I was pretty strong about Natasha, and I do think I said Ruthie in the end. Mm. I would have, again, there are people who I would have given it to, but I'm pretty sure I was strong on Ruthie. I don't love what Ruthie's doing in the show. Uh, It's a very insular beggar woman, which on one level I can respect. She's trying to be respectful of mental illness and trauma. Sure. 
but it just didn't make as large of an impression on me. Like that's a role that you can really kind of just sink your teeth into. And for me, she never did. She's also doing a million accents, which might be her trying to sort of be split personality sure. with the role. But, and I love her. I mean, I her Lady Tiang is still burned in my brain from King and I, but I was just, and she's also really good on the Americans, y'all. But I was a little disappointed in her beggar woman. Uh, again, on paper, happy she's a two-time Tony nominee. But it's like the same thing. With, for me, it's like the same thing with Lindsay Mendez winning for Carousel. I'm like, I'm so glad you have a Tony Award, Lindsay Mendez. I wish it was for another performance. Yeah, right, right. That's so uh, true, though, for so many different actresses, whether it's Tony's or Oscars. I find like, I'm glad you have an award. It really should have been for a different project. Yeah. Than what you I want I want to do an episode between now and the Tonys where we talk about like, where we where, where we make a list of like 20 times the Tony's got it right either for mm-hmm. a performance or a production or a score and you know not nothing that's like super obvious you know not like oh mm-hmm. hamilton winning best musical it's like yeah no <laughs> dir but other times we're like you know it didn't have to be this and they picked the right one like julie white winning for a little dog laugh i'm like good on fucking you tony awards that's great <laughs> i love that good win. choice yeah. good choice i love that win or um you know, like Bob Crowley winning set design for once. So I'm like, yeah, you know what? Good on you. Or Michael Jurgen for lighting the piazza when everyone thought it was going to be chitty chitty bang bang. I'm like, mm-hmm. I know that's a big production, but Michael Jurgen's sets for lighting the piazza was fucking poetry. Uh, the early days of YouTube, I would watch the light in the piazza Tony Awards performance like on repeat over and over and over again. It was so good. <laughs> it was so good. That 2005 was a magical year for those four Tony. Mm-hmm. Uh, musical nominations because they're all good in different ways. Spamalot obviously is the weakest mm-hmm. of the bunch, but I don't think Spamalot's necessarily bad. And I think they all had good performances. We have Piazza, which was just fucking A plus. Spelling Bee, which was a solid A. Right. You yeah, know, yeah. Dirty Round Scoundrels and Spamalot solid Bs, which sounds like a dig. But when you think about other Tony performances that were like D minuses, having two <laughs> having two Bs and two As, yeah, yeah. I'm like, that's I'm like, how lucky were we? And then Lacage was okay. Three Penny Opera was the one where you were like, okay, move along. But those four <laughs> musical, speed this up. yeah, those four musical performances were great. That's Piazza, God bless. And Ruthie's coming back to do Piazza for encores, and we're oh, looking forward exciting. to that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's go into. Oh, actually, I do want to say because you mentioned Alex Newell with featured actor. Mm-hmm. Featured actor in a musical. I'm not super upset about these five nominees: Kevin Cahoon, Justin Cooley, Kevin mm-hmm. Jordan, Alex. Uh, Kevin, I'm actually pleased as punch by because a i just adore him i think he's been he's been around forever he's so talented so good he's quite good in shocked he you know his character has maybe my least favorite running joke which is just like he makes these analogy jokes that mm. some are funny some are not and they always come out of nowhere and that is part of the joke is that they're always coming sure. out of nowhere but he makes it work he and gray henson are very good at taking groaners and being like land in this plane land in it uh <laughs> If I had to kick somebody out, I probably would kick out Jordan Donica for Camelot, and sure. I would put in either Stephen Boyer for Kimberly, Gayton for Sweeney, or Alex Grayson for Parade. Gun to my head, Stephen. But sure, sure. But if if we're like, okay, Matt, you can't bend over for Kimberly too much. I'd be like, okay, fine. I'll put in, uh, you know, Gayton for Sweeney. He did a very nice job. Mm-hmm. Do you want to go through some of the categories and who we think are going to win? Sure. Well, uh, let's do some plays first, and then we'll and, oh, let's, sure. and let's go some categories. Uh, and I know plays. This is the one where I have like hardly any good things to say, other than I will say one thing. Uh-huh. I'm pulling for Stephen McKinley Henderson to win because I love him so so much. 
uh, and I want him to win an award. Well, he has a Tony. Oh, has he, he won, won already? Oh, I'm he won for jo- He won for Joe Turner's Come and Gone, you greedy bitch. He, okay. You you are just so greedy. No, he <laughs> he's really he was really great in between Riverside and Crazy. My personal vote is for Corey Hawkins, the top duck underdog. I sure. want to say okay, so I had a which course, is a good play. It's it's a very good play, and this was a very good revival, and those two were mm-hmm. outstanding. I am very pleased that Yaya and Corey got in for top duck underdog, mm-hmm. and I'm pleased they got on got in for revival because if you go on Gold Derby, nobody was predicting it for a long time. I'm like, why are we ignoring the best yeah. reviewed revival of the year or for plays anyway? But I had a conversation with someone yesterday when these nominations came out, who was furious that Haran in Life of Pi wasn't nominated, and I did originally mm-hmm. predict him for a nomination because he is very much at the forefront of that production my issue has always been that that is just not a good play and he is the best performance in it but there's also a lot of bad acting in it around him this person's understanding when i said well i am just glad that you know the two actors from top dog got in she said she he they said they were very good, but I would kick one of them out for Haran because he made that play and you could still do Top Dog Underdog with other actors and it would work. To which I said, that logic applies to any great play. You could do Death of a Salesman with a different actor and it would still work because it's a great play. It's not right, right, Corey right. and Yaya's fault that Top Dog Underdog is a Pulitzer Prize winning play that they are also very good in. Um, so I, I I don't like when people are like, oh, you could do it with another actor and it would work. I'm like, that's not the the dig you think it is you're complimenting the writing that's so i don't i just want to say that when people are like oh so and so is the reason why this show works i'm like yes because they're in a bad show uh for example sean hayes and goodnight oscar which i is not a performance i loved very much i thought jesse green's review was pretty spot on if a little too mean-spirited it is but sean is i think only okay in what is not a good play i know it has its fans i just don't think it works very well uh, this is a dumb question. Is that an original play or is that a revival? It's an original play. Okay. Yeah, it's a transfer from the Goodman, uh, I think, uh, either earlier this year or la- no, from last year. Uh, okay, so when you said you weren't going to have much good to say about the plays, is it because you just don't know much about what's going on here or is it because well, you don't so, like any of this? <laughs> no, it's just I haven't seen any performances. So I, I, I can only go off of basically name recognition. Mm-hmm. I will tell you the ones that I know but again being on the social media and seeing things pop up into my feed. Um, Leopold chat seems to be like the big one people keep talking about and yeah. feels like it's the front runner in my uh, impressions, I guess, of the people who've seen things, but I still, I keep hearing things about fat ham uh, all the time. And mm-hmm. when I read the plots and I like, I really want to see this. This sounds like really interesting stuff. Um, and then eight no more. That's basically, that's the three that I keep hearing things about. Um, and other than the revivals, like I, I know a doll's house, I know top dog underdog, but, um, I've not seen the performances inside of those plays. Sure. Yeah. Anomo got a lot of social media coverage. And in fact, I would argue Anomo and K-pop's nominations this year mm-hmm. might be the only example where like social media support helps those mm-hmm. shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm totally okay with K-pop getting a score nomination, choreography a little less so but you know it's again one of those like what are you gonna do there's not a lot of nominations and it's not like the choreography is bad it's just it's i thought it was not as tight as it could have been especially for something like the the genre of k-pop where super tight military-like choreography is part of their their identity so like there should be not a foot out of place here but in terms of plays 
Uh, Ain't No Mo has a lot of support. I I am not as in love with that play as a lot of other people are. I think it's very intelligent. It makes a lot of interesting points, but I do think it's a little too long. I think every sketch in it goes on about two minutes too long, but there mm. is a lot of good in there. I am thrilled for Chris, Crystal Lucas Perry, who did a lovely job. I'm even happy for Jordan Cooper, who does a who did a very good job as Peaches. I'm glad they got a costume nomination. I was, I was, I know I predicted it and uh, was gunning for that costume nomination. Same thing with Fat Ham. Of the five nominees, I'm all, I'm a little upset Prima Facie didn't get in because mm. I do think that is a very strong play, but it got nominated for a bunch of other stuff, so I'm not going to complain too much. Uh, I do. We think should also po- point out too. I mean, <laughs> no one needs to get on here and say like, you know what, Audra McDonald, good actress, <laughs> but it this does like cement her status as basically being like one of the best of all time because I think this is her tenth nomination, which ties her for most nominations. Oh, for my. an actress of all time. So one more and she'll be the most nominated actress is what I think I heard. That I'll, I I look forward to that one then, whatever yeah. that may be. So it better <laughs> be a goddamn happen. Musical. She's going to get nominated 11th time. Absolutely. She just has to come back on stage. It's whatever it is. Ohio yeah. State Murders did not do it for me, but I'm glad she got no. nominated. I'm also, I, okay. I predicted Laura Linney for summer 1976, but I do remember thinking to myself, if I were picking the nominee, I would put in Jessica Hecht over Laura, sure. but I think it's going to be Laura. And then when Jessica Hecht got in, I was like, oh, you know what? Please just punch about that. I don't I didn't love summer of 1976. It's just mm-hmm. it's a Chardonnay of a play. But <laughs> the, the two of them do a nice job. And I think Jessica has a lot of meat that she works into. Uh, Leopold Stadt, I do think will still win. Uh of these five, only Leopoldstadt and Fat Ham are running, and I think Fat Ham is due to close before Leopoldstadt. And Leopoldstadt also has the whole, it's the last Tom Stoppard. It's actually quite good. It's relevant. It's run this long. It's very mm-hmm. prestigious. Fat Ham has the Pulitzer behind it. Great reviews. I would vote for Fat Ham myself, but I just don't know if that'll happen. I would, li- I would like it to. I wouldn't be mad about either of them winning, but mm-hmm. that is where I'm seeing. Revival of Play. It's Piano Lesson, Doll's House, Sign in Sydney, Brewstein's Window, and Top Dog Underdog. Not super yeah. mad. I would put in Death of a Salesman in over Piano Lesson. I did not love this revival of Salesman, but I liked it more than Piano Lesson. Mm. Um, I would probably vote for Top Dog Underdog for a revival, but I think it could go to Doll's House, and I wouldn't be mad about it. I liked this production a lot, and I didn't think I would, Kyle, because it gave <laughs> me Evo Van Hoffe vibes heading in, and I was like, God, right, we all right, know right. how much I would like him to just get decapitated. <laughs> and then I saw it, I was like, this is fucking compelling. I am finding this quite enjoyable. I've heard other people have really liked this version of a Doll's House, too, so... It seems like people are enjoying it. Yeah, I was the the things I was super pumped that they got nominated for. Uh, I knew they would get a directing nomination. It is a very directy play. I was thrilled as all get out that they got nominated for lighting design, of which we have seven nominees. I know. I saw that. It's like that's what I mean. It's like okay, well, yeah. I mean, and honestly, none of them I would kick out of bed. These are all worthy mm. nominations for lighting design. Uh, it's yeah, the best orgy, good lighting. That's what yeah, you mean. Good, best, yeah, good. The orgy of the season is lighting design of a play, yeah. and we are here for it. I'm also <laughs> trying to think uh, lighting design of a musical. Is there any that I would kick out? Eh, I would probably kick out Natasha Katz for something like it hot. I love Katz, but her lighting in that is just okay. Right. Uh, that 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 could be five. It doesn't need to be six. But I was also thrilled that they got nominated for uh, supporting actor for, I, don't, I never know how to say his name, but it's, uh, it's yeah. what is it? A- Arian Moyed, is that how you say his name? Uh, he plays I Torvald. No in his, 
he plays Torvald in this production and he's so good. Uh-huh. So I'm glad he got in. Uh, I would have probably put in Oak instead of Samuel L. Jackson for piano lesson. I also, yeah. Or honestly, Bill Eugene Jones for fat ham, who was so great. And I wish he got nominated, but Nikki Crawford got nominated for fat ham. And that made me happy. So did Miriam Silverman <laughs> for Simon Sidney Brewstein's window. That, performance was the best performance in Simon Sidney Brewstein's window I, people came for mother and father Oscar and Rachel and they mm-hmm. left talking about Aunt Miriam and were thrilled <laughs> about it um, uh, how about this cost of living what were your thoughts on cost of living cost of living is interesting because I did not love it I recognized it was good it's there's a lot of good writing in there the acting was very strong it was very um intense and personable i just wasn't super engaged with it and that is not anyone's fault other than just like the chemistry was off for me in that show Mm -hmm. so i'm not upset about any of its nominations uh and again i mentioned before like it's almost impossible for a pulitzer winner to get snubbed at best play if it's eligible i think it's happened Mm -hmm. once once in the entire history of the tony awards and acting, I mean, I probably would have taken out Carrie Young. I would have kept Katie Sullivan. Mm-hmm. I had a listener who was very insistent that Katie would get nominated, which I thought was definitely a possibility. Again, it's easier for closed shows to get nominated for acting and other stuff when it's a play rather than a musical. I was surprised at David Zayas getting nominated for Cost of Living. I'd, right. I didn't think he was fantastic in that show, but... I don't. I. It's not a nomination. I begrudge him in any way. And I'm you know, a little there's, surprised. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a few um, categories here where the same person is nominated twice. So you have best costume design of a play where Emilio Sosa is nominated for Ain't No More, Ain't No Mo, and Goodnight Oscar. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Scott Pask is nominated for Shucked and Sound Like It Hot and Best Scenic Design of a Musical. And yeah. Natasha Katz is Sound Like It Hot and Sweeney Todd for Best Lighting Design in a Musical. Do any of those people actually, do you think, win? Oh, actually, and Ben and Max Ringham for A Doll's House and Prima Facci for Best mm. Sound Design, Jennifer Weber and Juliet and K-Pop for Best Choreography. So um, does that increase their chance or do you think they go home empty-handed even though they're nominated twice? Each category is different. I think. I know, Jennifer, I know, I know. Yeah, I think Jennifer Weber isn't necessarily canceling herself out so much as that is between Stroman and Nicola. Mm-hmm. I don't know who I'd vote for. I have issues with both of those shows choreography i probably would give it to stroman overall because she has a better point of view with her choreo than nicola does for me in my life on this journey uh (laughs) sound design of a play i would give it to ben and max ringham for doll's house just because the sound design was very important and pivotal to the success of that production they might cancel themselves out for that because Prima Facie is a very similar situation where the sound design is important, but also like that I, I wouldn't know who they would give it to. Maybe Life of Pi, maybe Christmas Carol, but yeah, I don't think so. Natasha Katz, I think, is just going to win for Sweeney Todd. The lighting in that show right. is is the reason that production design comes together. Uh, Amelia Sosa, I I don't think he's going to cancel himself out because I think. Brigitte, Brigitte in Leopoldstadt's going to win just because it's covering Vienna yeah. in over like the course of 80 years. So that's costume up the butt unless because the palpits for Life of Pi are considered part of the costumes that might mm. do it for them, which I uh, 
although maybe not because there might i feel like there's some backlash about that right now about the puppets being considered eligible with the costumes because they're not costumes yeah that's a weird that's a weird conflation yeah the the puppets are not being worn by the actors they're the actors are using them to give a performance they're they're an extension of themselves i'm glad emilio didn't get nominated for sweeney todd though because those are the cleanest london costumes in the industrial age i've ever seen and everyone is middle class i actually when i finally saw goodnight oscar i thought to myself because emily burgle has this outfit it's like her dress matches her coat in a way that's very chic and i was like mm-hmm. huh i'm not mad about this outfit like maybe what what if i nominated goodnight oscar for costumes and that's sort of how i felt about Sign in Sydney Brucine's window as well as Mil- Miriam Silverman has uh, outfits that I'm like very well curated. Love, love the fashion. <laughs> uh, so when he got nominated, I was like, I know why he got nominated. It's because Emily Burgle's dress matches the inside of her coat, and that is very fifties chic. <laughs> uh, I understood Fat the Ham. assignment. Yeah, yeah, he understood the assignment. I'm glad uh, Fat Ham got nominated though for costumes. That those are some well curated costumes, and I'm glad Parade got nominated because those costumes aren't showy, but they are very appropriate mm-hmm. to the production. What were the other ones? Oh, Scott Pass for Shucked and Some Like It Hot. Yeah. He's not going to cancel himself out because that's Beowulf Bortz to lose for New York, New York. It's just the most set of the year, and 90 percent mm-hmm. of it is very beautiful. So here we are. Uh yeah, so we talked about some of the of the play stuff, and I, there's not much else to discuss, I guess. Uh, featured actors. I will say this though: this is I know it would make the show longer. I, I totally understand why they don't do it this way. Uh-huh. I would prefer and love if the Tony Awards did have a scene or something like a three minute <laughs> segment yeah. from the play that they could show. Uh, a just as a calling card, so if they are still running, people are like, "Oh, yeah, I saw that. I can go and see it." Um, but this gives you a better sense of of what they're talking about. Yeah, well, there. This is part of the reason why pe- why plays are not don't get as much love. Why they they can't really like build up momentum in the Broadway season anymore. The Tonys do them so dirty, and they don't give them the spotlight they deserve. And sure, like it's less exciting sometimes to see a scene from a play out of context than a musical number out of context. But they used to do scene work. On the Tony yeah. Awards, you can watch Joan Allen and Peter Friedman do Heidi Chronicles or Mary Louise Parker in Prelude to a Kiss. And like sometimes they work really well. The James Earl Jones scene from Fences is incredible. And I'm so glad it's preserved on the Tonys. And I, I don't know, like I, I the the Tonys are always just try, grasping at straws and how to get more viewers. And it's the same thing with the Oscars. And I'm like, you're never going to appeal to 40 million people. So no. why don't you just do your damnedest to appeal to the nerds who tune in every year and really show us what what we want to see and there are people who watch the tonys from out of town and they and they come into new york once a year and they watch the tonys to get an idea of what they should see people can't begrudge that like people aren't buying tickets to plays if the tonys aren't properly showing them Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. so i just want them to do it and i don't know what it's going to take like just fuck it stop trying to be the mtv movie awards and just be for the nerds yeah. Like show us, they used to have these montages about design. There's like the 2020 awards. They have these segments on, on design and they show you the sets and the lighting, and the costumes while the designers talk about them and how the work that goes into them and what makes them effective. And it's so cool. And it gets to show you also those shows in their natural habitats, not just at Radio City Music Hall or, you know, United Palace or whatever it's called. Yeah. Or even like uh, showing how they made different costumes, right? Like this is what we observe. This is how we researched it. This is what we, uh, yeah, how we came to the design in and of itself. Yeah. I just find that stuff fascinating anyways. I just want yeah. to learn about it. 
people are like, oh, do you think they're going to mention Phantom in any way? Are they going to do a performance for Phantom? It would be sacrilege if they didn't. And I'm like, you know what I would rather they do than three minutes dedicated to the fact that Phantom closed is three minutes dedicated to the people nominated this year who don't get to get win their awards on air. Show mm-hmm. how the costume designs of yes. Fat Ham and uh, Goodnight Oscar and so on and so forth like are important and what and the work that goes into them and what makes them so effective. Show us two minutes of uh Leia Polstadt so people who are on the fence about seeing it get excited about a play again fuck anything else if you aren't nominated for musical yeah. don't perform I'm sorry right. but get the fuck out of yeah get the fuck out of my Tonys I don't care Enough I, will, with the I will call my shot here though for this year's telecast I am gonna guarantee that at some point a chandelier is gonna fall like or they're going to make a joke. joke about a chandelier. They're yeah. going to make a, a joke about a chandelier falling. Oh, but gross. that's <laughs> pay me money. Yeah, pay, pay Kyle money, guys. I it's that's not a bad idea, Kyle. It's more just like anytime the Tonys do anything kitschy, I'm like, go fuck yourself. But mm-hmm. <laughs> I digress. Okay, let's look into some of these categories and do some yeah. immediate predictions. Best play, Kyle. Oh, I'm going to pick Leopoldstadt. That would that would be who I pick. Yeah, that's that is my prediction as well. Although I would vote for that ham. Uh, now I'm going to go further down the line and go all the way to sound design of a musical. What you got? Okay, let me take a look at sound design. Uh, ba, 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 ba. Sound design of a musical. So um, th- again, this is hard. I'm going to go off by something that you've said, so that Smoothie uh, Todd doesn't have great sound design. Mm-hmm. Um. I don't know. I I feel like this is going to be where New York, New York gets some of its awards. Maybe. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's probably who I'd pick for sound design. Yeah, I would probably pick. I probably would pick New York, New York as well. That they that balance is really strong. That or that or and Juliet. But mm-hmm. I think, yeah, I, I see a world where New York, New York walks away with like three or four Tonys all yeah. under the radar stuff. So we'll see. Uh, and on that note, orchestrations. Okay, so I actually put this in my little document here. So orchestrations. Um, this is oh, this was my bold one. Again, I'm doing this based off of literally one song performed on Good Morning America. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think New York, New York might win best orchestrations as well, with uh Kimberly Akimbo being like my direct like competitor in this category. Mm-hmm. But I'm edging over to New York, New York, because that orchestra sounded phenomenal, at least on Good Morning America. Yeah, a lot of times orchestrations will go to the show that has also won best score, but oh, okay. but 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 that has yet to happen for Janine. The only the only Janine show to win orchestrations was Millie, and she did not win score mm. for that. But it's the the caveat to that is when a production does something very different with the music. So, for example, mm-hmm. Girl from the North Country winning orchestrations was doing Bob Dylan, but in sort of a 1920s, 1930s radio sure. broadcast kind of way, which could help and Juliet. Sure. But I do think it's going to be New York, New York, which is a similar vibe to I mean, I'm getting a lot of. 2015 vibes from this season because we've got another Janine DeSori show that I think is going to essentially win like five Tonys above mm-hmm. the board, including Best Musical, opposite a Candor and Ebb show, opposite an original comedy musical that had a lot of buzz from previews that's going to win a featured performer yeah. award for a big just number. Deja vu. Such <laughs> deja year. vu. Such, we've got a Lincoln Center revival, a roundabout revival. We've got 
mm-hmm. uh, you know, all, all this stuff. But I think New York, New York is sort of like the, an American in Paris situation where I do think it's yeah. going to win. I think it's going to win sound. I think it's going to win orchestrations. I think it's going to win choreography. And I think it's going to win set. Uh, maybe lighting as well, but I would probably give that to Sweeney. Uh, okay. On a, and on that note, choreography, I have New York, New York. I have some people who think it's going to be some like it hot that Casey Nicola is finally going to get it uh, mm. as sort of like the Susan Lucci of like, okay, finally, here you go. You did it. Now, can you stop doing backflips for every show? But I don't know. There's there is a big <laughs> yeah, production number on construction beams that I think will clinch it for Stroh. Yeah, it's so hard. Like I love Susan Stroman um, a lot. Um, I'm I'm predicting Casey Nicola though for Some Like It Hot. I I feel like Some Like It Hot. I'm not picking it because it has the most nominations. I feel that it just has more support than New York, New York does. So mm-hmm. they'll they'll go New York, New York for like, okay, it's undeniable for some of this stuff, like scenic design or something like that. But we're going to throw it to some like it hot for the rest of this stuff. Yeah, there's there are some categories from like this could go either way. It could mm-hmm. go New York, New York. It could go some like it hot. Um, I'm still going to predict New York, New York, but I'm, I might change my tune in a few weeks. That's the beauty of this series as we get closer <laughs> and closer to June. Um, sound design of a play. I am going to say Doll's House with a possible upset of Prima Facie. Um, you know, just to be a wild card here, uh, I'll do a Christmas Carol. Just ah, for fun. <laughs> we love wild cards, and honestly, <laughs> could happen. There, the last production of a Christmas Carol came in and really fucked shit up for us. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, let's do best score. Yes. I'm going to say Kimberly with an upset from Some Like It Hot. That's I know the exact people... way I put it on in my yeah. notes here too. I have some people I, I just who don't see it. That. I, I, I mean, see. I I've listened to all these. I, I know I'm a little bit. Um, I don't know. Uh, I have biases of myself of what I like to listen to. Mm-hmm. Listen to all of these nominated scores. I don't understand how you wouldn't go with uh, with Kimberly, Kimberly Akimbo personally. I mean, that's the problem with art and its subjectivity, isn't it, Kyle? Because yeah. I'm listening to Kimberly Akimbo going like, I'm sorry, no, this score has bops. These lyrics are yeah. incredible. They are they are insightful and funny and help develop the characters. It's I'm like, what are we doing here? This is exactly what a score should do. Um, I've been like listening to the Kimberly Akimbo uh, score now on repeat, basically, for the last couple of weeks. Um, and my claim to fame this past week is I made a tweet. So I'm basically <laughs> famous. And I, uh, I says like, I'm very close to turning this into a Kimberly Akimbo fan account, which then got liked by Bonnie Milligan. So uh, basically, famous. I'm part of the, I'm part of the, the, uh, the, the cast and crew of yeah. Kimberly Akimbo. You're on the payroll now. I know the, I am. Yeah, the thing is, like, I don't know. When I go with my gut on something of not only what I like but also what I think other people like, it tends to work out for me. So while I really loved the score of Strange Loop, I recognize that not everyone was on sure. board with it. And I was like, well, you know, if it's got while I think Strange Loop is the better musical and more, you know, fascinating, if I had to go with my gut on this, I think like six could really take it. And while I think there's a world where someone like a hot could beat Kimberly, I am not as confident about it. The other thing I just want to say is because Kimberly has eight Tony nominations, which is very strong, I would have liked mm. them to get 10. I would have liked them to get sound design and another featured actress for Allie. It having the least nominations of all the best musical contenders this season, if if only by one for three of them, mm. 
does kind of now put it back in the underdog narrative for some people, which could give it a lot more support going in rather than the confidence of, oh, this thing, thinking that it's got itself, you know, as the one to beat. I know that there's a lot of love for it. I know there's a lot of people who do think it's a luck, but there is also a bit of a narrative of like, well, there are some showier shows out there that could really pick up steam. So now is the time to really throw in the love for Kimberly. So I I feel like mm-hmm. there's a world where Kimberly just comes out with five. Like, I think it could be a band's visit situation where right, yeah. SpongeBob and Mean Girls have more nominations. They're more popular. But this has the critical love. This has a lot of community love. And it's sort of a bit of a rebuttal of like, yeah, Sound Like It Hot is fun. Yeah, you know, New York, New York is big and tourists might like it. And Juliet is making a lot of money, but or not a lot of money. It's making some money. But like we want to reward the people who made something special and and quiet that is powerful. Yeah. And I think all and if Kimberly won those awards, I think it would help make it a small financial success. Not a not a big, you know, Hamilton, but like a gentleman's guide or fun home where like it runs for a year and a half, makes its money back, goes on the road, calls it a day. Okay. Uh, does David Valencia Bear have a Tony? He does not. He has a Pulitzer. That's a- See, that's the thing. I think that there might be some people like we should give him at least one <laughs> for this year. Well, that's also why I know I, why I'm very confident it's going to win book. Uh, mm. There are some people who have tried to say it could go to any of them but New York, New York. I have a Tony voter friend who's very big on Anne Juliet, and I will not begrudge him that. But I do think Kimberly's book is objectively better. I just it, Kimberly is the best libretto of these five that I'm looking at right now. I, I think, think some- this too. I for for talking about best book. I went back and forth with this. I ultimately am predicting Some Like It Hot wins best book as well. And only because, and maybe I'm overinflating the backlash that was coming out before it uh, debuted into previews. Mm-hmm. But everyone was kind of like, oh my gosh, they're not going to handle this well. There's no way that they're going to be able to delicately talk about you know, cross-dressing in, a 2023, uh, in the year 2023. And uh-huh. the fact that it's like, fine <laughs> i think is like better than like the disaster some people were predicting so i, I wonder no if that might like swing some people to be like well it could have been worse yeah i mean listen again this is where i'm gonna now kind of contradict myself there is some social media backlash on some like it hot and how they treat the gender mm-hmm. roles of that show but not loud enough for it to really make any kind of impact and yeah i think there is the element like it could it could have been worse and it is different enough from the movie that you don't have you can't say like oh it's a copy paste job but i don't know like i for me the book is just sort of like fine it's kind Mm -hmm. of funny not funny enough it i and i do think they really botched the role of sugar which is enough for me to say no. If your female lead is not interesting, you don't get to win best book. Same, and it's my again my issue with Anne Juliet. I'm like, if Juliet is my least interested right. character, I don't want to give you book. And Shucked is cute, but Shucked is a two hour musical that could be ninety minutes. Yeah, and... there's literally what everyone has come out and said like, I loved, like I had a great time, I laughed a lot. It's like thirty. 35 minutes too long yeah it's i know like part of the charm of it is that it's a a 10 jokes a minute you Mm -hmm. could cut half of them and wouldn't lose anything and in fact make it all go faster which would be great Mm -hmm. i would give it to david i think i do think he's gonna win both uh if there is an upset yeah i do think it's some like it hot but i don't know no again like we were talking about this a second ago 
there is a support for that show and people who loved it have remained have remained fervent in that love but they haven't been super vocal about it and they're not like no one is coming back and saying like you know what i saw three months ago and i can't stop thinking about what a great time i had something like that it's more sort of like you have to remind them and they go yeah i did have a good time oh i did see that yeah i did (laughs) um but i think there's more there's more sort of support for jay's performance in that and possibly casey winning choreography but we'll see uh direction of musical i am gonna say michael arden with yeah. a possible upset of Jessica Stone, just because she's the director of Kimberly oh, Kimbo. Oh, th- yeah. oh, this is the other thing I was going to say. If you are a Best Musical nominee and you want to win, you absolutely need to get nominated for Best Book. If you are eligible for Best Book and not nominated, you don't stand a goddamn chance. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the you good need to be the Best Director, though, too, right? Because well, yeah, what, I did. I did. I did list some reconnaissance here. I did a very quick scan of the last twenty-five years, and I could have overlooked something. But any best revival or best musical winner was at least nominated in the best director category. Yes, this is so. where this is where I think this all comes in favor of Parade as well as yeah. Kimberly. So of of our musical nominees, they're all nominated for book, but only some like it Hot Shucked and Kimberly are nominated for director, which is why I don't sure. think and Juliet or New York, New York will get in. Um. So of of those three. I would say Kimberly still has the best shot just because it has a lot of above the board love. Mm-hmm. But this is also where I think Parade is going to win Revival now as well as I Director. Do. Yeah, because the best Revival winner doesn't have to have a directing nomination, but it usually it's that's usually been the case with like two exceptions. Yeah. Um, and there has never been a Revival of a musical winner that was closed. There was a moment where people thought it was going to be Follies, and it didn't happen. There was a moment where everyone thought it was going to be Falsettos, and it didn't happen. And that is why I don't think Lear will win. It's why I don't think Into the Woods will win, and I don't think Julia or Ryan will win. You know, streets are made to be broken. Um, I will say this. I'm also uh, predicting Parade to win Best Revival, possibly with the upset of Into the Woods. But that would be, again, breaking yeah. <laughs> be like the one exception from the past 76 years. Yeah, it would be the one exception. I mean, there's people were very big on it was that it was Sweeney versus Parade with like an impossible mm-hmm. upset of Into the Woods. And then when Sweeney didn't get a directing nomination, everyone's like, oh, I think that's the crack in the foundation. Yes. Oh, but Lear got nominated and, and yada, yada. I'm trying to think of the last time a revival that closed got nominated for Best Director. I'm sure it's happened. I just can't think because I know Lapine didn't get nominated for Falsettos, I'm pretty sure. And I know that what's his face didn't get nominated for Follies, rightfully so. But um, why don't because I feel like it did happen at least once. Hold, hold, please. Let's see. No, not Oklahoma. Uh, Michael Arden for Spring Awakening. Oh right, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's been nominated every time he's done a musical. Good on him. Um, what else? Scott Ellis for the mystery of Edwin Drood. And uh oh, Marsha Milgram Dodge for Ragtime. So it's happened. It's it has happened definitely. Uh it it is possible to get nominated for director of a revival and not win or have your revival win. Anything else? Anything else? Anything else? Anything else? Anything else? Oh, I didn't know Christopher Ashley got nominated for Rocky Horror Show. Good for him. That's a good nomination. Tony's, <laughs> you got that right. That At least year. you got that right. Yeah. yeah, you got that one right. Um, Anything else? Yeah, the only time I see, a rev- uh, the only two times I can see revivals 
winning and not nominated for director were Annie Get Your Gun in 99 uh, and then Lacage in 2005. But those are also back when it was four nominees. If there were five, they probably would have gotten in. So, yeah, I think it, I do still think it's parades to lose. I, I, you know, I think that Into the Woods' nominations is its way of being like, you did great. We recognize you. you take these nominations and run with them to your we next project. We see you. We honor you. We're not giving you the award. Yeah. We see you, Joanna, but we're not stealing you, Joanna. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yes. Uh, director of a play, I am oh, yes. going to say that this will be Patrick Marber for Leopoldstadt or Jamie Lloyd for A Doll's House, but I think Doll's House might end up being a little too divisive for voters. Mm. And usually it'll go for a revival or or the best play winner. It's very rare that it goes to someone who uh, you know isn't a part of either. And Life of Pi is like very directory, but I think the fact that it's not nominated for play or actor or score shows that there's not as much love for that production as people think. I think yeah. we'll get some tech stuff and that'll be it. I'm Go also ahead. going with Patrick Marber for Leopoldstadt. Um, I actually had as like my alternate Sahim Ali for Fatham, which mm-hmm. I could see happening. It's, it's like those two shows seem to be like neck and neck as far as again, <laughs> what people are talking about. Yeah. I'm, I would be happy with either win. I would also be happy with Jamie Lloyd. I really, I cannot mm-hmm. stress enough, Kyle. How much, How much I you enjoyed love this doll's house, and Why didn't you expect marry it, Matt? <laughs> Fine, I will, and then I'll leave it. Yeah, <laughs> just like Nora. Ooh, on that note, let's take one more break. Billy, I'd like to differ with you. How do you mean? You're the top. Yeah. You're an arrow collar. You're the top. You're a Coolidge dollar. You're the nimble thread of the cloth. Torvald, we're back. Excellent. That was Doll's House. This is Doll's House Part 2. We're Laurie Metcalf now. Oh, my gosh. If only. Uh, if only. So, uh, yes. You, know, you, said... you want to know, like, my... I realize that this is such a first world problem. I was meant to be in New York City end of March of uh, 2020. We all know what happened at the end of March in the year 2020. Sure and do. I had tickets that were purchased where I was going to see Laurie Metcalf uh on stage uh with uh, who's afraid of virginia wolf and i will never see her perform that play and it makes me very upset i'm so sorry for your loss you know You're the, i mean i was supposed to see it too and it didn't end up happening it's it is quite terrible but i mean hopefully one day we'll get it again i don't know i'm i'm a little upset i didn't get to see calista flockhart do it in california she, i mean she's not right for no. the role but i adore no, not her. at all but yeah Sometimes it's fun to just see a good actor in a role they're not right for try to make it work, you know? You're trying. Yeah. You just, like, pat their head like you tried. Yeah, and, like, didn't do a bad job, just not a natural fit. Uh, (laughs) Speaking of which, let's do featured actor in a musical. I am going to go on a limb here and say that Alex (laughs) Newell's going to win. I have Alex Newell, too. This is the thing. It's like, are they going to give it based on basically one song? Yes. that's... it is the one song independently owned. Is that what the independently song is called? Independently owned, yeah. Um, that I listened to twice in a row. It's like that feeling like, I need to listen to that again. Yeah. Um, and so I'm, I'm just curious. I, I think it but might that's, happen. But that's, the, that's, defining, like, that's yeah. the defining trait usually for a featured performance in a mm-hmm. musical is that they have one song that is like their moment. And so like we have like Patty and Matt Doyle and company. We have yeah. Lauren Patton for Jagged Little Pill, James Monroe Eichelhart for Aladdin, Brad Oscar for Something Rotten. 
I'd argue, you know, uh, Sour Ramirez for Spamalot. I mean, granted, they had a lot of numbers in that show, but like the big one was Find Your Grail. Although I think the moment that they won was for Diva's Lament, unless I'm gay. <laughs> Beth, Le- Beth Level for As We Stumble Along. Like there's the yeah, number yeah. that is there. I may be the feature performer, but I get a moment to shine. And of all the nominees in this category, Alex has that with Independently yeah. Owned. And I think Kevin Delaquila has the other good shot, but yeah, I'm going with Alex. I mean, I think Kevin is so delightful on something like it hot. Mm. I wouldn't be mad if he won. There's, the only person in this category, I'm not necessarily would be mad, but I'd be like, really? If they won is Jordan Donica. If if sure. Kevin won, if Justin won, if either Kevin won uh, or, an, or if Justin Cooley won, I would not be mad at all. And I think Justin is so fucking charming and Kimberly Akimbo mm-hmm. and has amazing chemistry with Vicky. Like they just, they connect on a level that's amazing. Um, but no, I do think this is Alex's to lose. It's a very strong category, but I think Alex is the one that comes out on top. And Alex knows this, which is why Alex ch- asked to be placed in this category as opposed yeah, to featured yeah. actress, which game recognize game. That That's a hard category. Yeah. yeah Alex was like, I have, they were like, Alex, what, what category would you prefer to go in? And Alex was like, oh, well, if I have the choice, <laughs> I am going to go in here because Papa could win here. And I respect that so hard that sometimes you got to be a shark <laughs> in this industry. Yeah. Uh, featured actress in a musical. I'm going to say Bonnie. It's I think this is Bonnie. Yeah, I, I have Bonnie in there, too, um, mostly because she liked the tweet I did. So I have to recognize. <laughs> Absolutely. And that, uh, Bitsy Wolf is the only other one. I said, like, that's a maybe for me. I'm not confident anyone else but Bonnie, to be honest. I think Betsy could win. Uh, definitely it's a performance as I said garners a lot of attention and if they want to throw some love to and Juliet that could be a good spot to do it but mm-hmm. I also just like I mean I see a world where and Juliet randomly gets like three Tonys like a sound mm-hmm. design orchestrations sure. and randomly choreo or something or like book uh, and I also see a world where it goes home empty handed which I think very much could happen uh, I don't see a world where New York I, New I will York say this this like is that. another like calling my shot moment uh huh I do think Anne Juliet has the best chance of having like the like the viral video moment that mm-hmm. a lot of like younger theater fans are like, oh, I'm sharing this on uh, TikTok and Twitter and and elsewhere, um, mm-hmm. just based on the demographic that they're you know getting into the theater. Sure, so that's, that's a that's my guess. Yeah, but like the Tonys kind of hate the youth, rightfully so. They're I, very I anno- they're very annoying, but they're you know, very I loud. They're very loud, and they are not good at analyzing nuance in a piece they need something to be black and white for a for a generation that is very loud about the fluidity of gender and sexuality they're very binary about art and i find that (laughs) it's good or bad fascinating Hmm. it's good or bad it's problematic or it's not i'm like okay children i can't wait till you experience some more life and learn that human beings are messy and complicated uh okay we let's go back to a technical one scene design of a play scene design of a musical scene design of a mm-hmm. musical is pretty easy it's new york new york go yeah, win that's yes <laughs> yeah 100 um for play i don't know i mean i my my gut says um life of pi just yeah. again based on photos and stuff and videos i've seen of it that's not a very strong guess though yeah i'm gonna say life of pi as well with a possible upset for um christmas carol but mm-hmm. i'm i'm actually super pleased that prima facie got in for set as well as for lighting but i'm gonna yeah i'm gonna say i'm gonna say life of pi uh did we do light we did lighting design right yes okay and costume design 
Did we do costumes? Yeah, yeah we, we did costumes, costumes though. Okay. Did we? Maybe. Oh, cost- so costumes, I'm going to say Leopoldstadt, again, the the history yeah. of it all. Life of Pi, possibly because now the, the puppets are in there and yeah. you want to acknowledge that. But again, I think there might be backlash of sort of that's shenanigans. Costumes out of a musical. Um, I'm this is going where, to- I mean, I part of me thinks that this uh, might go to end Juliet as well. Uh, but I don't know. It, it's honestly between that in New York, New York, probably. And see, I think it's some like it hot, but okay, there we go. The, ironically, the and it all comes back to sugar. I think the worst costumes of the show belong to sugar, but they <laughs> they dress Jay Harrison Gee so well as Daphne, mm-hmm. like to the point where by the end of the show, you're like, oh, hello, New York fashion runway. But <laughs> the, I mean, never doubt Greg Barnes. He gets in a lot. I I believe he won. Yeah, he won for Drowsy Chaperone. He might have won for something else. His costumes, I think, he won for Follies. Uh, you know, Susan Hilferty does a lovely job for Parade, but those costumes are not flashy. Camelot's costumes are okay. They're a little drab, but that whole production design is drab. K-pop, I'm very fun costume design. Good on yeah. them. Yeah, I think I would say it's between Some Like It Hot and then Juliet. New York, New York has very lovely period-appropriate costumes, but nothing that super pops. Okay. Uh, there, there are one too many rhinestones in Some Like It Hot for it not to get, uh, for it to go unnoticed. But I don't know. You could be right. It could end up going to New York, New York. Like, Maybe New York, New York just ends up sweeping all three design categories. Who knows? There are not a lot stranger of stranger things have happened. There. Yeah, stranger things have happened. Uh, stranger things, fun TV show. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so that's all the design, direction, choreo, orchestrations. All right. Ooh, okay. Featured actor in a play, featured actress in a musical. I yeah. am going to go on a limb here and say that Miriam Silverman will win for Sign in Sydney Brewstein's Window. She and Nikki Crawford are the only performances still running, which is not mm-hmm. necessarily a given for awarding someone you can win if your show has closed but if in order to win for your show being closed you need a lot of momentum behind you which is what i think crystal lucas perry could do if she's and her team are smart enough in the upcoming couple of weeks that like we want to give a no something and crystal is our best bet for that and she definitely you know is a is a favorite of the community but I think there's something about Miriam Silverman and Simon Sidney Brustein's window. It's again, it's one of those things where like when you see all the nominees, when you go out and you see them, you walk away from Sidney Brustein's window going, Miriam Silverman's fucking baller. And it's a role that always gets <laughs> nominated and has won in yeah. the past. So it could happen. And then for a featured actor in a play, I'm gonna say Brandon Urano, it's for Leia Polstadt. That is that is my yeah. hot take. I think so. Um I'm trying to see. Unless they really want to go like the Hollywood route, which sometimes they want to do, and they give it to Samuel L. Jackson, but and I don't yeah. know if there's a, a groundswell behind him. Um, I don't think there is. I don't. I don't think there's any uh groundswell behind that production in general, other than Patty mm-hmm. Lapone saying it's going to win everything, and then it's not now going to. <laughs> All right. Every Leading... one of her predictions has always turned out to be true, don't you? <laughs> Patty Lapone predicted Patty. it again. Leading actress in a musical. Leading actress. Okay. Um, I honestly think this is Victoria Clark still lose. Like, I just don't see. I just don't see anyone else. I I have as like the only one that I could see maybe doing like the upset is Annalie Ashford for Sweeney Todd. But I just again, I know there's a lot of people who are like really behind Annalie Ashford. Um, but there's just so many people who seem to be like not as taken with her, Mrs. Lovett. So. I don't know. I think it's Victoria yeah. Clark's to lose. Yeah, same. This is where I'm going to 
show off a little bit of my knowing people in the mm-hmm. community card guys <laughs> all the love i see for annalee ashford is purely from a fan base sure. not from the community and the love of annalee ashford in the community is like she is a nice person everyone loves her she's a like she is a <laughs> she is a genuinely kind person as i understand it and she is she's not good she's not bad she's just nice she's just nice no she's kind kind is different than nice y'all remember that as you walk on this path of life but and she's also very talented and i i have like given her some shade on this podcast in the past and it's purely just because i think she is incredibly smart and incredibly talented so i get disappointed when i see another production with her i'm like i've seen you do this before babe come on let's do something new uh and I think that her performance in Sweeney Todd is more successful than I anticipated, but it is still very much a lot of me seeing a lot of the same. And a lot of the people I've spoken to have said similar, that they liked her but didn't love her. And same thing with Josh. They liked him, didn't love him. Uh, the three performances in this category that I have heard from people in the community of pure love are Vicky, Sarah Bareilles, and Michaela sure. Diamond. I think if anyone could upset Victoria, it's going to be Michaela, and that would have to come from such an overwhelming amount of love for Parade that they give it to her and to Ben. And I would vote for Ben, honestly. But I think... Yeah, talk about nepotism all you want. Um, Again, just by listening to that recording, Mm -hmm. he does give a great performance. Like, I can't deny that he he gives a great performance. Although I'm being a little bit bold in my best lead actor where I'm predicting Jay Harrison Gee winning, um, even though that is probably wrong. (laughs) No, I don't think it's wrong. I think, I mean, first of all, it's among jay josh and ben i would not give it to josh at all i think josh is singing that score beautifully he has a Mm -hmm. couple of strong moments he is not scary in the least and he's not compelling in the least which is uh, you know i think a major failing of that production in general uh between jay and ben i would give it to ben and i i say that with like all the restraint in the world the people who have been anti him in the show aren't like oh he's bad they like him they just go oh i see so much evan hansen's performance and i see what they are talking about i disagree he's doing a lot of the nervous energy of evan hansen but it's a very different kind of nervous energy it's more mature yeah. first of all he's playing a man and it's centered and calmer it's you know some the stakes are higher for you know frank than they were for evan hansen so his his nervousness makes sense some people are saying, oh, it's Evan Hansen again. I'm like, oh, that sounds like a you problem, Cynthia. Yeah, I don't know. I just that I didn't get that from the recording. I mean, Ben Platt sounds like Ben Platt, but I didn't get yeah. the same energy from dear Evan Hansen. Yeah, it's also just, I don't know, Victoria's playing the lead of a new musical. The first time she's done that since Piazza. Talk mm-hmm. about fucking beloved. She is a, you know, a major icon in this industry, has been working forever. She needs a second Tony Award in a sense that like, I who, how, if anyone needs it, it's her. I look forward to her winning because I want to hear all the homosexuals in the audience freak out. Yeah. <laughs> I love I mean, when that happens. I don't think there's a single woman in leading actress in a musical where if they won, the homosexuals wouldn't freak out. Sure, sure. <laughs> like, I, I, Mickey Splains is going to go insane if any of these women win. So it's the gays <laughs> win no matter in what. the audience. Yeah. yeah. The, okay, I'll just say, everyone who's a gay that's not me will win no matter what. If Victoria wins, I am thrilled. If Michaela wins... I will be disappointed because I just think it should be Victoria. Michaela is the only one I could see beating her and is the only one I would be not throwing my shoe at if it's not Mm -hmm. Victoria. Uh, But yeah, I'm going to predict Jay as well for leading actor in a musical with a possible Ben upset. We say this like it's, um, what's the uh, astrology or astronomy. We say it's like astronomy, like uh, with a Ben uprising. Uh, 
leading actor in a we play have a, a waxing victoria coming <laughs> into our lives exactly leading actor in a play i'm gonna say sean hayes it's just oh, you think it's his i do think it's his it's not who i would vote for it's Who'd not who for? i would vote i would vote for Corey hawkins oh, and i would have yeah, yeah. and i would have put marcel spears in here honestly over sean or wendell pierce but i mm-hmm. have to recognize where the energy is and it's at it's on sean uh, and he is the reason why people are seeing that play at all. It's why that play is on Broadway to begin with. And he has a lot of love. People are really into his performance. I was not one of them, but that's that. I also say leading actress in a play, the easiest prediction in the world. It's Jodie Comer and Prima Facie. There we are. Mm-hmm. I, um, uh, what was I going to say? Uh, yeah. So Corey Hawkins, um, I am predicting is going to have a stellar year this year. I actually am going to predict he wins the Tony Award, and I think he is going to become a huge deal uh, by the end of this year, being in both a movie I'm very much looking forward to called The Last Voyage of the Demeter, which is a horror film about Dracula. Um, which I think he's going to pop, but he's also in the color purple. So he might even get an Oscar nomination by the end of this year, too. So I think we're on the cusp of Corey Hawkins running having a really great year. That is my personal prediction. Of what's he's, playing, happen next. he's playing Harpo in Color Purple, yes. right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I love, I got, I fucking love Corey. He's so talented. Yes. It's stupid. If he won, listen, talk about the gays going crazy. This gay would go crazy if he won. Right. 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 But, you know, I'm going to, I'm still going to predict Sean just because, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes they don't get it right. You know? Yeah. They but don't all it, go your way. Yeah, and listen, that's a hot take. I know a lot of people who are really big on Sean's performance, calling it a tour de force and whatnot, and that's their prerogative. We already said revival of musical, parade, revival of mm-hmm. a play. Uh, I'm going to predict Doll's House on this one. Yeah. Yeah. Doll's House um, one before, too, in revival, has it not? It did, and one for the Janet yeah. McTeer production. Yeah. Last one. Yeah. Musical. Yes. And now, after all this, I'm going to say... New York, New York. <laughs> I was going to say, of course, it's all in leading here. Um, just by what we've been talking about, looking at like history, other categories, it's coming down to Kimberly Akimbo, Shocked or Sound Like a Hot. I think yeah. those are the only three that honestly have a shot at it. Shocked a very long shot, which means it's down to Kimberly or Sound Like a Hot. So I'm giving it to Kimberly. I think there's going to be more groundswell towards it. Yeah. Something like I could do the upset, but I just see it going to Kimberly's way. It's also just when you think about it with the Tonys for Best Musical in the last like 12 years. Yeah. They don't go for necessarily the one that's the most like. They've um, often gone with the smaller show. Yeah, Yeah. they've gone with the smaller show often. Like the only times they've gone with the big show is either when there have been no other options. So like Moulin Rouge winning because it's like what? Jagged Little Pill, which is a jukebox musical as well. Tina, which is like all big shows. Um, Or, you know, uh, Hamilton, which is a was a Pulitzer winner by that point huge box office critical success like massive cultural moment uh yeah. of, like I'm trying to think other major like big musicals Book of Mormon but also like Book of Mormon the thing about something like it hot that it doesn't have and, and I kind of said this before when talking about what could be a, a, a relatively better competition for Kimberly if, mm. and Juliet had better critical reception and yeah. if something like hot had better box office, I, they would be much more of a threat, but and Juliet has the box office and something like hot got the reviews, but something like hot has been struggling since January and, sure. and it's not the cultural hit 
that it needs to be to hoping really, for yeah. yeah like because if you're gonna be the musical comedy entertainment and win the tony you gotta be the moment and it hasn't been the moment not in the no. way that the producers or book of mormon was no um, and juliet has more of in the moment right now than i think sound like a hot does yeah and um, and juliet might i would say this if angelia had a better book by the sounds of it at least again haven't mm-hmm. seen it but if it had a better book i think it would be a much stronger threat in yeah this, in these categories i mean i i know people who are voters who liked and juliet but mostly just because they thought it was a good time oh it was sure. smarter than i expected it to be and you know it, it, it could win and anything could win right uh but and Juliet, it's not like necessarily respected. It's like it's it is popular. It is well liked. It is doing well. But no one's like, you know, what really kind of surprised me by how incredible it was was and Juliet. The only people who've been saying that are the gays who love their soul cycle music. Yeah, and that yeah. is not the moment like and Juliet has not captured a cultural moment. No, uh, the last jukebox musical to kind of really take everyone by surprise and be compelling in a way no one expected was Jersey Boys, which was a word of mouth hit. Like came into New York, sure. no one was talking about it, opened and within a month became huge and was able to ride that to the Tonys. And Juliet is doing very well, but no one is really like, oh my God, it's the moment, it's the thing. Sure. And to be fair, neither really is Kimberly, but Kimberly is definitely going on the narrative of the little show that could which the tonys are weak in the knees for they love to be it's a fun home situation yeah it's and and a gentleman's guide situation fun home is a little different because fun home was doing well when they got nominated fun home you know opened at the very end of the year and had the reviews and was selling well and the tony nominations came out pretty soon after that so they could ride that momentum for a while but if they didn't win they would have closed by the fall for sure Mm. um and I and I think the Tonys love to be like the the organization that goes, we're going to give you the awards because we know, you know, you need it. And we'd love to be useful. We'll give you at least another six months. Yeah. Yeah. We don't want to adorn a show that doesn't need our love. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, well, that's I look forward to being wrong about everything. <laughs> Absolutely everything. I look forward to between Riverside and Crazy winning New York, New York winning. Sign and Sydney Brewstein's window winning and Camelot winning, you know? I mean, there wrong is there. a bit of perverse glee I have. There is this moment, again, I always use the Oscars as the example. Uh, and this is a movie I like, but the year Spotlight won Best Picture, and everyone's like, wait, what? <laughs> this was yeah. not even in the conversation to win this. There's a bit of perverse glee if, yes, they have, I don't know, Julie Andrews come out to give Best Musical, and she's like, shut. <laughs> it's like, wait, what? Yeah, I mean, that's there is something really fun about that, which I am not upset about anyway. I mean, the thing about the Tonys is like awards don't ultimately matter. And yet they also do. They yeah, help it's... business, obviously, but also just like in terms of conversation, it's so much fun to talk about and gives us a template to go off of. Like the only reason people still know about Two Gentlemen of Verona is because it won and beat Follies. And then that just leads to the conversation of, well, how could that have happened? And then that's the conversation of, well, how good is Follies? And like, what was it? Yeah. Yeah. What was its perception at the time? And I, that's why I like the Tonys. And that's why no matter what wins, the conversation will be what it oh, is sure. in a year like, and that'll change. Any awards body gets things quote unquote wrong or is like, it's like, how did this win over that? Uh, but also it is a snapshot in time. It's really mm-hmm. hard to go back and be like, well, you know, this thing was happening and they wanted to reward like the one that made you feel good rather than the one that made you think that yeah. happens a lot too. So. Oh yeah. The, you know, when we talk about like 
the Great Depression or Vietnam or World War II, yeah. like those movies that win at the Oscars in those years. It's like, yeah, America needed levity. So it happened one night it was very important to them. Yes. Yeah. 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 Ah, no, I love it. Kyle, this has been great. Thank you so much for yeah. coming on today. Uh, great. Where can people find you if you want them to find you and anything you'd like to promote? Uh, the easiest way to find me is I'm at the Kyle Marshall on basically everything. So you can find me there. Uh, and then uh, if you like musical theater, I do host a show called Putting It Together. We are currently going through, or I should say, it's both the music of Stephen Sondheim. So we're going show by show, song by song. We're currently in Sunday in the Park with George. And your very humble host, Matt Koplick, is on next week's episode. So if you sure want <laughs> to listen to that, then you can uh, tune in. We are, we're talking about uh, Everybody Loves Louie. Yep. And I, if I recall, I don't necessarily spill tea on my personal life, but I do express how that song was the right song yes. for me to analyze because of my personal life. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. What a fun time to be alive, Kyle. Yeah, no, uh, that'll be next week because this episode comes out on Thursday. So yes. it'll it'll be in about six days when my episode comes out. So look forward to that, ladies and germs. If you want to follow me, I'm on Instagram at Matt Koplick, the usual spelling. If you like the podcast, a nice five-star rating always helps us out with the algorithm or a nice uh, little review. We haven't got any since the last episode, but that's okay because we got two great reviews in the last episode. And so I was spoiled a bit. But mm -hmm. as I said, y'all are really great at writing these reviews and just warming up my depressed, depressed heart. And April was a very tough month for me. I mean, 2023 has just been emotionally devastating in general. Uh, so doing the podcast has been nice and reading your reviews has always been a bright spot for me. So if you want to keep me from crying, by all means, write me more five-star reviews because Matt doesn't like crying and he's going to have to I, pretty I, soon. I feel you're guilt tripping your audience into leaving yeah. reviews. So <laughs> yeah, keep me from crying y'all. And when we come back to, the big move and we do significant other, I will just be sobbing from start to finish of that episode. Perfect. So I will definitely need some reviews to read by then. <laughs> uh, Kyle, as you know, we close out every episode with a Broadway diva. Oh, yeah. uh, I'm trying to think who we should close out with today. Have we How done about... Victoria Clark? Have We've done Victoria Clark twice okay. now. I think what we're going to do, she hasn't been done yet and she's just nominated for her first Tony. We're going to close out with Miss Michaela Diamond. Oh, good choice. Uh, yeah, especially since that cast recording is out, we can do some of her Leo in it. Uh, yes. Thank you so much, guys. We'll see you next week. Have a great time. Bye. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot -E 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 org because only together we rise.